Hi, my name is Agile, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, and I believe you should too. Just go to patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners, to what is the backtrack edition of our podcast. That is the edition between our regular shows where we pick a single topic we remember growing up as Gen Xers and dig in deep on that topic. I am John. Joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? And we are going to do a backtrack this episode that once again, I love these, inspired by one of our fourth listeners. We say that a lot. We kind of gloss over a little bit. So a quick recap, a reminder that we have fourth listeners because, look, they're one, two, three of us, and we assume Mm -hmm. there's at least one other person at least one at out least there one. listening. At least and one. that one is the fourth listener. So you listening, you with the earbuds in your ears right now, you are the fourth listener. And you you need to listen quickly because there are other fourth listeners waiting. That's right. And you have to trade and take turns because... <laughs> Tag, there's like a baton. You pass yeah. it on. <laughs> Multiple people can't listen to us at once. It's a technology thing. That's right. Yeah, it's, it, that's how streaming works. It's just one stream. <laughs> <laughs> we have a stream. <laughs> this backtrack is inspired by fourth listener Chad. Now, Chad, we read his email, part of it, on an episode a few weeks back. But it was a long email, and we mentioned then that part of his email had inspired a backtrack. Well, this is it. Okay. Here's right. what Chad had to say. So I'm reading just the portion that we are converting into this backtrack. Chad says... Hey guys, I've been a fourth listener before, so it's okay if you don't read this on the podcast. Now, first of all, <laughs> way to sell. <laughs> way to sell it. But no, no. Listen, if you've written it before, that does not mean you should not write in again because, hey, there's only one of you. You should definitely write in again. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He says, I just had a couple of topic ideas. They may not be deep enough for an entire episode by themselves, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on a few things. And this is the part of his email that sparked interest with us. He said, First would be choose your own adventure books. They were mm. some of my favorite books as a kid. Did you ever try to read one straight through from page one to the end? <laughs> he said, I did a few times. It obviously made no sense, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I then said another set of books was the Encyclopedia Brown series. Yeah, and when time. he kind of put, stacked those things together, when we were talking about it, we said, hey, there were all kinds of cool book series when we were growing up that either aren't around today or uh, they're totally different today. And so in this backtrack, thanks to Chad's suggestion, we're going to talk about Generation X kids books. That sounds great, man. I was I was a huge reader, so this is definitely in my wheelhouse. These are the books that we read when we were growing up, when we were, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12. The key difference, kind of to make sure we establish what we're talking about, this is not the twilights of our time. This is not young adult fiction. <laughs> right. <laughs> These are the books that were geared straight to us. I tend to think they were a little bit more innocent, maybe, like they didn't try to touch on a bunch of heavy topics or go deep into life and death or love and sex and all that. It was just, you know, your magic school buses and you're a wizard or whatever. I think it was more like they wanted to be fun and also to they encourage were just to keep fun. reading. So the books, I think we said, were focused more on just fun stuff, like not not, not dark, not like you said. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that I want to reminisce on in this backtrack. Make learning fun with great Sesame Street books inspired by the award-winning show in delightful board and interactive books. 
engaging storybooks, and fun-filled color and activity books. I'd like to start talking about kids' books of Gen X by what was, for me at least, and I'll let you guys both chime in, the thing that really sparked my love for reading, for books, for all that. I mean, we had a library in school and we had books that we had mandatorily had to read and textbooks. But once or twice a year, the Scholastic Book Company would host <laughs> this Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, yeah. And it would be in the auditorium or in the library or in a, in a big room. And they would bring tons and tons of books out. And often it'd be there for a few days. They'd give you a catalog. You'd go home and you beg to your parents, I want to buy this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. And they would send you with money and you could either get it on the spot or sometimes you'd have to order it and wait for them to be delivered. Is it just me or do you guys have a fond memory of these scholastic book fairs? Yeah, I totally have fond memories of this because I like the idea that I used to read books like over and over and over again if I really liked them. Mo, did they have books when you were a kid or were they just scrolls? Well, they're <sighs> stone tablets, actually, but still. <laughs> Wait, he catches no end of grief over being the oldest Gen Xer in our group. <laughs> but, okay. By like two years. It's not, okay. You know, yes. so, stone you tablets. Know, it, you know, the guys had to hand copy the books, so it took forever to come in. I mean, yeah, you know, it was, it was they tough. They had monks that were in the <laughs> library. Yeah. yeah, they only had so many monks, you know. But no, but the, uh, I like, because I like to reread books. That was my big thing as a kid. And especially if I loved a book, I would read it till it fell apart. Mm -hmm. had, the school house at Book Fair was the opportunity to actually own books. I didn't check them out from the library or anything Yeah, else. yeah, they were yours. Good point. They were yep. mine. And I could read them and give them to other people and trade them with friends and do all that stuff. So I definitely have a lot of fun memories. And the books are really cheap too, if I remember correctly. Like they try to price them so the kids could buy them. You know, I remember them being kind of like... Maybe they were cheap. Maybe it was because we were poor. I don't know. But I remember going through that catalog. Mom was like, okay, you can spend $25. I'm like, I can only get like five things, you know, because they're three or four or five bucks a piece. And I remember thinking maybe they're too expensive because I had a low budget. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we talked about it being a little bit more innocent. And the things that I think that's why in my head is like this, because I remember one of the kind of books, the series that I collected were all the Sesame Street books. And, and not and not just because I was a kid that I liked Sesame Street. This was pre-internet. This was pre-social you know, media or anything. And so you didn't just have a big website where you found out more about the TV shows you liked. It was in books. And you know, having just kind of come out of the, the phase where I watched Sesame Street daily. Now I said I was watching, you know, 321 Contact and uh, Electric Zoom. Company. <laughs> yeah, Zoom. Boston, Mass, oh, two, one, mm. three, four. Well, that's a whole like, backtrack topic there, isn't it? Isn't it right? <laughs> <laughs> but they made a big marketing push on the Sesame Street monsters. And I remember a series of books. Like Grover was the big host of these. And they weren't <laughs> even on Sesame Street anymore. He was just out being a detective or he was out whatever he was doing. Uh, and I remember the Sesame Street monsters being uh, one that I really loved. Yeah, I don't remember those, but hey, no? I, I'm uh, totally, totally with you. Look them, you. You can look up. There are a million, million of them out there. You can look them up and see them. It's, it's funny that you mentioned detectives and monster, you know, Grover being a monster detective. He'd, because, he'd be Sherlock Holmes, yeah. <laughs> because the whole mystery solving genre, I don't know what you want to call it, detective yep. books were yeah. just we were huge. And they're more, multiple series. Oh, yeah. Huge. I mean, series of books. And one of my favorites was Encyclopedia Brown because I like just the idea that you could read this story. You could try to figure it out yourself. And then you went to the back to read, like, here's the, how he solved that particular like case. Like the solution, how did he get there? The solution. Right. He was like, he was like a young Sherlock Holmes, sort of like, yeah. how did he, he deduce to play this? Along with him though. That's the thing. Like you knew what he knew. Yep. Like it wasn't one of these things that's like, oh, well, you know, the wind velocity of an African sparrow is blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it was like, <laughs> you know, everything you needed was in that story. It was common it sense. Yeah, it was. And yeah. I, I just enjoyed, I mean, I used to read those things like all the time. I think I read every single one as they came out. What about uh, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew? Did you ever read any of those? I 
never got into those, actually. I mean, we had Hardy Boys in our school library. You know, Hardy Boys was one shelf and Nancy Drew was the other shelf. Mm-hmm. The Scholastic Book Fair, I went there. I was more of a collector than a reader at that point. I don't think I started reading for my own enjoyment until later on, even close to high school age. Like, I read stuff because I had to for book reports and stuff, but I didn't read a whole lot as a young child other than what my mother would read to me, you know, at night and stuff. But uh-huh. the Hardy Boys were always kind of cool because I liked the covers. They were always in these hard bound books, the ones at school, and they had the blue on the background for the titling and everything. And they had the yeah. cool picture. Yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's like a spooky kind of uh, like an oil painting on the cover. And they had flashlights and they're in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would pick one of those up. I would start reading it. And I would get through maybe a chapter or two and then I would have to put it down or I would take it home, but never get through reading it because I would go outside and play sports with my friends or something. I enjoyed reading later on in life, but well, as you a probably younger more enjoyed child, the Sweet Valley High so series much my then, thing. George, because that was, uh, my... yeah, you know, I, I think that informed my <laughs> dress speed, style right? a lot growing up as a young child. <laughs> no, you know, I wanted to mention that one because though it wasn't one that I was into, it was, it was a big deal in the 80s. So often, like so much of toys and media tend to be focused toward young men and the Sweet Valley High was that kind of started getting and that was almost a transition in that young adult fiction a little bit. It was more relationships and stuff. Well, didn't they even do like TV series or something on that one? And I don't know. I mean, they've did done they, quite a bit with Sweet Valley High. <laughs> well, I think they did. I don't know. Well, I mean, you talk about like innocence. So, I mean, I thought it was interesting. Like if you look at Encyclopedia Brown, like his, and you talk about like for female readers, his uh-huh. bodyguard was a girl. Oh, that's right. That's oh, right. Really? Yeah, his friend. Huh. Yep. yep. Oh, I'd forgotten she was that. One, like, because he got picked on. Well, there's a couple that's, of kids that picked oh, on him because he was that. super Good smart. Point. I think it's like the very first story. That's how they meet is like some kids picking on him and she comes in and basically kicks the guy's ass. So, right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. It was, it was his, uh, his friend and she was kind of the enforcer. She was the hired muscle. Yep. I almost feel like I want to go back and read some of these books now, the way you guys are talking about them. Well, like, then, I feel like I missed out. Gen X growing up is doing its job. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The, uh, and then Nancy Drew, of course, that was a big, that was very popular with the girls, right? Yeah. Cause I read a lot of the Hardy Boys and then like the library would run out of them and I'd resisted Nancy Drew for a long time because like, it's a girl, <laughs> book. It's a girl <laughs> book but but then I found out I'm like oh, I'll try one even though it's a pink cover or you know whatever it is but I, I found it, they're just as good if not better it's the same kind of cool mystery stories it's just yeah the lead was different it was just a That's girl instead of these brothers sure. yeah the fact yeah. that she was a girl really made no bearing on the story now were they connected at all I know they were the yeah, same they publishers yeah, they, they had some they? crossover okay. stuff yeah. all right. the Hardy Boys cinematic universe yeah <laughs> right yeah HBCU if only they'd known <laughs> <laughs> Seatbelts, everyone! Come on! Climb aboard Scholastic's The Magic School Bus for even more wild rides. With the Frizz, Arnold, Wanda, and the rest of the gang. Sorry to interrupt, Gen Xers, but this show will be done before you know it, and then what are you gonna do? You're gonna need something to fill your ear holes with, and we're here to be that uh, ear hole filling thing. We're Blockbuster Nostalgia. We're a movie podcast that's counting down the biggest hit films of the 1980s based on how much money they made. Because that'll show those dirty 80s commies. Each week we have a few drinks. Or a lot. And talk about a different classic film. Which inevitably leads us to rant about things like... Where Luke Skywalker kept his sex robots. What if Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon was in fact a Velociraptor? Who would win in a fight between Rocky Balboa or a Gundam? How the Winter Olympics should definitely feature rabid wolves on skis. We even cast Vin Diesel one time as a talking car in a smoking a bandit style rom com. And we pitch Paul Bart Part 3, the one where he's a Thundercat. 
We've been at it for two years now, so we have plenty of vulgar, definitely not for kids, fun for you to enjoy. From Die Hard and Dirty Dancing to Ferris Bueller and Star Wars, we've got your favorite 80s movies covered. Check us out on Facebook, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You guys remember the Magic School Bus series? So I thought I remembered that as a TV show. Was that a book series? It, later it was, yeah. Okay. So often things are written before they're on TV. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that how that works? Really? I did not wow. know that. <laughs> So, uh, so when does the when does the smart ass series come out on TV? Because that's what I'm wondering about. <laughs> well, I'm, it's it's optioned right now. I'm writing. It's option. <laughs> <laughs> but that was made by that was actually published by Scholastic, and that was Mrs. Frizzle. Yeah, in her class, they go okay. on field trips. That was one I really always loved because school bus. First, everybody's been on a school bus, so you can imagine. Ooh, maybe that's my school bus. But they went just. On in space, they went underwater. They went in to the school bus. Yes, yeah, it would fly. Would do all kinds anywhere. of awesome stuff. I guess it was magic. Well, That's it, right. it was. It, uh, it's called a magic school bus. School bus for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so it was well named. It was appropriately named. But it, you end up getting you learn about like history and science and stuff like that as they go on these adventures. So that's like I sneak it in on you, but I I didn't mind. I didn't care. I got it was you. okay. All right. I was thinking about it like a TV show. And I, like I said, I didn't read a ton when I was a kid. You know, I was a big fan of Cliff Notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just, the, I, don't think the, I don't think the Hardy Boys had Cliff Notes versions. Yeah, the though. whole collection of Cliff Notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, there was something that was kind of Cliff Notey when I was younger, and that was reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton on TV. So I didn't necessarily read the books, but I would see the kids talking about the summaries on TV, and then I was like, okay, well, I don't have to to read the book because I saw the TV <laughs> reading Rainbow segment, so I'm good. So I know it. It's kind of like when John didn't see Blade Runner and he just kind of heard about it. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! Like I could talk with my friends about the book who the friends who had read it and they would say, "Oh yeah, this happened." To, oh yeah, and I remember when blah blah blah, and they were like, "Wow, so you really read the book?" I'm like. Yeah. Now, I had a totally different take on Reading Rainbow. I understood Reading Rainbow to excite you about the book so you would go and read it. But you used Reading <laughs> well, Rainbow purpose. as a method to not read it, is what I'm hearing. Yes. I mean, I we see. all take different things from different sources, and that's what I took from Reading Rainbow. Fair enough. <laughs> it was my lazy guy's cliff notes because I didn't even have to read. <laughs> they say right in the lyrics, take a look. It's in a book. The Reading Rainbow. But instead, it's like, take a look. You won't have to look at the book. It's Reading Rainbow. But on the screen when they said that, a book opened up. So I took it so to you figured, mean it was the TV the book. show it was the TV you book. won't have to read okay. the book. Yeah. Okay. All right. Always All right. looking for the angle, this one. I know another series of books that I just loved and I started reading from the Scholastic Book Fair was a series called The Mad Scientist Club. Have you guys ever heard of that one? Oh, that sounds no. amazing and I've never heard of it. It would have been oh, right yeah. up my alley. Tell me more. It, it, it was like, yeah, it was a bunch of kids, you know, our age, like early teens, you know, 10 tween ages, right? And basically they were, they had this club called The Mad Scientist Club where they were just going on adventures. Like one of them, they made a submarine. You know, to go into the lake to find the Loch Ness Monster <laughs> oh, kind of well, thing. Of course you made a submarine. <laughs> and, they, and they had this like junkyard that was like this amazing junkyard that they could find pretty much anything. And they would cobble together all this stuff. And they had one where they were trying to find a dinosaur because they thought for sure they found dinosaur eggs somewhere. And they had to investigate <laughs> that. I mean, it was crazy stuff, but it was – when I read that when I was like 10 No, it or sounds 11, perfect. It sounds it amazing. Awesome. 
It, oh it was yeah, a, it was amazing stories, and they had a whole series of books on it. Where did you discover this one? Was it was it, it was in the Scholastic, Scholastic Fair? Fair or oh, was yeah. it? Oh, well, that's where all the best things are. Of course, they had another one where they <laughs> like they joined like a hot air balloon race. So they made their own hot air balloon. They had to make their own hot air balloon. They had to make their own hot air balloon. Oh, again, they're sneaking in science on you. They actually went into like, how do you make it? And how's it work? I mean, they kind of snuck in that stuff in the story. Oh, yeah. See, I I didn't mind that. you know, those stories, nobody ever thought, should kids really be making their own hot air balloon? It was just, it was an innocent story. (laughs) So your believability was easy to come to. I mean- I, well, I so would have enjoyed some that thoughts about how I could build something like that. Trust me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I wonder how many broken <laughs> arms came out of reading some of those. <laughs> well, yeah, but hey, it was exploring, right? <laughs> but like that whole adventure kind of thing, though, was just always a great storyline just for any of those kids' books. And now the Mickey Mouse Club presents The Hardy Boys, featuring Tim Considine and Tommy Kirk in The Mystery of Ghost Farm. Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third hand helping hands vice and hobby station. The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are going to keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice sturdy work surface. Those flexible all metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them, no fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The quad hands was designed to help you do your best work. It's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code GENXUP20. That's G-E-N-X-U-P-2-0. For your next project, let a quad hands hold what your hands create. Mo, you were talking a lot about adventure just then, and Mm -hmm. I really got into the first kind of reading that I did honestly was choose your own adventures i know oh, there's yeah. no way in the oh, world yeah. i'm gonna get off without talking to, you guys read choose your own adventures the choose your own adventure series of in itself was revolutionary and they had i don't know how many books there, there were of, more than over every topic I mean, too i mean they were on everything crazy yeah. the cave of time i think was the most popular issue ever sold oh, that was wow. the first one that was the yeah. very first I remember one. that one holy cow yeah yeah and they were just tons of crazy stories and they were thin books so they were approachable to a younger person which That's was right. nice yeah they weren't like these giant thick novels yeah you know. <laughs> or George <laughs> or George <laughs> or, or the guy who got his books out of Reading Rainbow well I'm still trying right. to finish number 117 so no it's <laughs> as Choose Your Own Adventure got popular they started taking that medium of that new style of book into other subjects so one of my favorites out of the choose your own adventure style books was the Dungeons and Dragons series. Anybody remember those? There were I four absolutely, of them. absolutely, yeah, absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, Return yep. to Brookmare probably being the most popular of those. Yeah. And I was going to mention one of the things I loved about the choose your own adventure books that got you into it was like the artwork on the cover always reminded me of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. already, mm-hmm. even Very before cool. you got in the book. Yep. Absolutely. And also I like the fact that when you made choices, some of them were like, and you died. 
<gasps> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I read Return to Brookmare for a month before I finally got through that damn thing. That was hard. Now, I assume we all cheated, right? So every time yeah. I made a, a choice, I put my thumb there. Oh, and yeah. I would turn to page yeah. whatever. You're dead. No, no, no. no I didn't mean that. Go I back. Mean, right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, I would yep. go back and read it again differently to take different choices because they weren't all live or die. They were paths. Yeah, some of them branch, just branched a story, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was almost as though somebody was watching me read it because I would like kind of like try to sneak a look at the page <laughs> like i was worried that somebody was like yeah. the choose your own adventure police were going to come into the house and break the door <laughs> down and no don't turn that page unless you make that choice for real those books really captivated you not just your imagination and thinking of the plot lines that you know trying to imagine the worlds they were telling you and everything but just the mechanic of flipping pages back and forth. My parents looked at me like, what are you doing? Why don't you just read it in order? I'm like, no, that's not what you do with this. So now that's something Chad asked yeah. in the email that inspired this. He said, did you ever try reading it from beginning to end, ignoring the hop arounds? I never tried that. I tried I did it once one time. and it just confu yeah. it confused the crap out of me. <laughs> it shouldn't make I'm any right there, sense. Yeah. It was crazy. See, I always figured, I thought of it like as a big spoiler alert every time. Like, I don't want to look at anything because yeah. it would it would contaminate the choices I might make later. So I never thought of trying to read it sequentially. <laughs> I still have my Choose Your Own Adventure D&D books yep. up in the attic with all my other D&D stuff. My first edition monster manual. And when I last brought that out of the uh, mothballs and looked, I'm like, oh, my Choose Your Own Adventure versions. Yeah, wow. yeah I didn't get rid of mine either. I think there were four of those Dungeons and Dragon ones to start, if I remember right. Oh, I think there were a lot more than that. Yeah, I, think well, I, mean, I, I might probably have a dozen. I think the first oh, I got gotcha. you. The first round. four in the first run, I think. Yeah. I could be wrong. It'd be nice. Fourth listeners out there, correct me if I'm wrong. Let us know. <laughs> that was the start of a lot of like my affinity for a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, because mm -hmm. a lot of those Choose Your Own Adventures were sci-fi and fantasy. So oh, I think yeah. that was they're kind of a gateway drug into what I later found <laughs> that, I, yeah. that I enjoyed. Let me yeah. say, there was one story, and I don't I have no reason why I remember this book so well because it was it was called and it's an awful title, My Robot Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy. My well, buddy. it was basically about a kid who grew up like you went to my buddy. I went straight to South Park. Oh, no, really? <laughs> it's my robot awesome friend. Yeah. Yes, awesome. Well, basically, it was kind of like that. It was this kid was like he lived away from other kids and stuff, so he would have a playmate. His parents bought him a robot, but it was oh, a real robot. okay as a playmate, and it was it looked like a person, looked like a little kid his age, and it. Taught, you know, but it couldn't do things like it couldn't eat. And, but it was a really kind of a cool story because, you know, the, there was a problem because people were stealing these robots from people and reselling them. So, you know, you had to be real careful and his gets stolen. And I mean, it was so I don't know why to this day I still remember that book like vividly. You're talking about sci-fi and my buddy and choose your own adventures and everything. I want to talk about movie adaptations because for me, the first novel that I read cover to cover was Tron. <laughs> the Tron novel, yeah. The, the novelization the novel. of the film Tron. It was really <laughs> yeah. good. I remember I vividly remember I was on a trip with my mother to go visit our cousins in Kentucky during winter. I found the book. I don't even remember where we got it, and I was reading it in the car and I was desperate to get to the middle of the book because the middle of the book had little cards of the scenes from the movies in it. Okay, so it was yeah. like a divider point of the book and I read that in the car right up there. I had never read more than 100 pages at once at that point in my life and I was like, I was like I was 16 or something like that. So yeah, and then you learn the definition of a page turner. You're like, I can't yes. stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, because I'd seen the film that made it 
easy to get into the story and also yeah, yeah so many really of the fun. things that i remember loving picking up from the scholastic book fair again and later bookstores and stuff that uh they still do i i guess now this is done in comic books where they turn films and stuff into comics but i remember back when we were kids often the books that you would get they would do lots of different books about a movie there was the movie adaptations that you mentioned, mm-hmm. but I loved picking up like, uh, I don't know, pick one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they would have Indiana Jones uh, learns to brush his teeth or something. They would take the characters, <laughs> oh, and the things you. that you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they would do these other little adventures about learning to play well with others or learning sure. to be good friends. The licensing or, or, style stories, yeah, right? Yeah. E.T., Figures yeah, out Star how to put Wars, his pants on huge, or whatever. R two D two gets lost, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the same thing that happened to you, George. You're already invested in Tron, so you read the novel, and so it was an easy entry point. Instead of uh, you know Bobby Sheboygan learns how to brush his teeth, you're like, oh no, I know Indiana Jones. I'll pay attention to him. And so it was an easy way to get into it. And I snatched those up because anything with those characters that I loved already in TV and movies, The Incredible Hulk teaches you how to play well with right. others and share your toys. I'm like, okay, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> Their arms. <laughs> yeah, well, and you're right that the comic books would do more of the adaptation stuff. There were tons of the, like you said, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I was thinking, oh yeah, I still have my Raiders of the Lost Ark comic books from back then. And sure, but I remember those licensing books is what I'm going to call them, where they would C3PO and R2D2 at Christmas kind of stuff, like the horrible yep. TV <laughs> yeah, exactly show. Exactly right. Like yeah. I actually remember yep. that one. And yep. then, yeah. yeah, there's a ton of Disney character stuff too. Oh yeah, constantly. Well, I think they still do that. They might be the company that continues to do that sort of throwback stuff mm-hmm. because it's so easy to market for that reason. You know, you can do Mickey and Minnie can do anything. You know, Donald and his sure. nephews can do anything. They can go on any adventure. And so, well, and they've got a built-in audience to sell to at their theme parks and resorts and perfect. hotels and everything yep. else. I mean, you know, the kids are just whenever we go to Disney World, if we do go, the hotel lobby is a giant. Disney gift store smorgasbord and kids are just lined up three, four oh. deep buying that stuff. Yeah, they're going to like fits. <laughs> Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. Paneled is a brand new comic book focused podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Hey, I'm George. And I'm Jason. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love. And we cover everything from the golden age to the modern age. If you're a comic book fan who enjoys going beyond the page to learn about the history and creators who bring the characters to life, we're for you. You can find Drawn and Paneled wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at genxgrownup.com. Talk to you guys soon. It's funny that you mentioned Disney because Disney was my gateway into another little avenue of kids' books that I absolutely adore to this day, and those were the book and record sets. Yes. Oh, I never had a whole lot of those, but I liked the ones I did have. Oh, I sure did. I had Pete's Dragon initially got Tinkerbell, rings her bell like this. And it was a green cover. If I remember yeah. right on the little 45, mm-hmm. and that was the thing. The books were the size of a 45 record. Oh, yeah, the 45s. Yeah, the books was, it was the square, right? Okay, so yeah, tucked, the kids tucked in the back. A 45? Think of it as a, <laughs> a bigger than a CD. You can get Kanye's album on vinyl now. They used to make smaller vinyl albums. <laughs> Which those are called 45s. One on each side. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And then what the hell's a B-side? That's a whole other story. <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah, so these were small records, 45 RPM records that you would play, and it would read the book to you with sound effects and actors mm-hmm. and 
And then I started finding more and more, instead of just the Disney, everybody was doing them. Yeah. DC was doing them and Marvel was doing them. G.I. Uh, Joe. Monsters, G.I. Joe, Jaws, yep. Kojak. Everybody was doing these book and records. Part of my fandom of loving uh, audible fiction, you know, and podcasts and old radio, I think, was I enjoyed hearing actors act out the things that previously I had only read in my head. I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. And it yeah. was still still just a book. It was pictures as well, but I mean, it wasn't a film. So you could still imagine what they're doing and the activities and stuff, but all the sound effects were added. Yeah, for me, power records were like the crack of books because I just couldn't get <laughs> enough of those damn things. They no. were easy access. I didn't have to do a lot. I could just sit there and drool and And I would listen again and again and again and again because they never got old. Yep. No, they were awesome. So so he never cracked open the book itself, right? No, I would because the books were like comic books. So that part was cool too. I still have my G.I. Joe giant 33 and a third full album that has like three stories on it. Well, Mo, that didn't count as a book because someone was reading it for George. So Yes. (laughs) (laughs) One more thing I want to mention from the Scholastic Book Fair that isn't quite a book. But once you get a bunch of kids in a room and they have their wallet out, there was so much cool novelty crap that they also had at the book fair <laughs> that wasn't books. Oh, yeah, I remember buying like punch out books where you punch out stuff and build things. And oh, yeah. Pencils and erasers. I and still a- have my pencil box that had a ruler slide out and a pencil sharpener on top. It was orange yep. on the base and white on the top. I got that from Scholastic Book Fair and I still have it to this day. <laughs> Do you ever throw anything away, George? No. What's the point of throwing anything away? I just stored it in grandma's house. Oh, okay. <laughs> it made it really easy to get under the radar, too, because you're like, oh, what's my budget for the Scholastic Book Fair? Oh, well, here's 25 <laughs> bucks or whatever. And then you come back with, you got Mad Libs, and you got your <laughs> Build a Monster thing from Sesame Street. And you're like, did you get any books? Like, well, oh, yeah. I got a yo-yo, so that was, you know, <laughs> I had to right. buy that. Well, I'm building the house from the uh, Hardy Boys. So right. Is that I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we even forgot about Mad Libs. Oh, my God. Again, it was a novelty. It wasn't really a book, but it was something I got at the book mm-hmm. fair, and you ended up writing your own fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did. That was a whole different kind of writing, though. Mad Libs are how I learned the parts of speech before anybody taught me the parts of speech. True. Yeah, like, a good point. I, noun, now. Verb, I didn't know what an adjective yeah. was. I didn't know what, you know, an adverb was. I needed an was. adverb. A what? Yeah, a what? <laughs> well, thank you. Look out for Schoolhouse Rock, right? All right. No, they helped. <laughs> <laughs> It's time to shine at the Scholastic Book Fair. An all-star lineup of books is coming to your school. Read what you want to read. Tell your parents and make plans now to visit the Scholastic Book Fair. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we've put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. While in iTunes, take a second to rate and review the show. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. We'd love to hear from our fourth listener, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is so much more than just this podcast. You can also find our video content on YouTube or explore our entire body of work on our website at genxgrownup.com. Ah, that will wrap it up for another edition of the podcast. In this backtrack, we look back at books for kids from Generation X. A lot of them maybe weren't books or George that didn't read the books. Okay. (laughs) Until later. Until later. 
until late. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as we said at the beginning, a lot of them are a lot more, they try to grow you up too fast. They get too serious. They get too dark early on. I didn't think it was wimpy. I love the innocence of those books and looking back on them. Oh, we talked yeah. about the Georgian, you keep all of your uh, choose your own adventures. Why yep. wouldn't you? Yeah, Because they're amazing. They're amazing. Have my kids reading them now. Do you? That's fantastic. Yeah. The next thing I was going to ask was, you know, I wonder how many uh, people even currently know what a choose your own adventure book is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could maybe deduce it from the title, but I think they would enjoy it today if you handed one to someone. I mean, they might find it the writing a little, again, immature because it was younger yeah, and more innocent. for even. kids, yeah. Agreed, agreed. Yep. <laughs> they probably have a lot of references they won't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, a phone booth? What are you talking about? <laughs> what the hell's a pencil sharpener? <laughs> the great thing about books is they don't actually go away. Mm-hmm. You can still go back and you can find those. Uh, George, you had said some of those you missed out on. You might go back and circle back. Maybe yeah, somebody else listening will too. I think I might, yeah. Also, you know, I want to thank Chad. This was a great topic, man. I had a blast That was a good idea. It. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Thanks a lot, Chad. George, thank you for being here. Yes, sir. And Mo, I appreciate you. Hey, man, always fun. And fourth listener, more than anything, we appreciate you being here, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. See you, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? No games, no puns. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Yeah, yeah. I resisted it for a while because it's a girl book. Yeah. We can hear you fine. Can you not hear us? (laughs) Hello, Mo. Hello. I can hear. I'm here. I hear Mo just fine. Hi, Mo. John is dead air. Jordan is dead air. No. We hear you. They're texting. Mo, we see you and hear you. I don't, although I haven't heard him in a little bit now. Yeah, so now he's kind of refreshing. I can't hear either of you two guys at all, in case you hear this. He's typing. Oh, there now. we go. Do, do, do. So I guess I don't have to type. Yeah, I can't hear either of you. You're like flatline on my screen. Like I'm not seeing any audio coming across. Welcome, welcome back, Mo. We can hear you the whole time. And then okay. and then, you're start, and then you're like, hello, hello, hello. Or like, hey, hello, hey. No, okay. <laughs> you <weren't> there. <laughs> Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly. And our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.